0: Hello, I'm Aidan
1: Gallagher. I'm Peter Reeves. Welcome to API, our integration podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to set the world to rights on various topics in the world of enterprise integration, and it scratches our collective itches as engineers who just want to uh, rant about enterprise IT over a cup of coffee. Or tea. Hello, Peter. Hello, Aidan. How are you? I'm good, thank you. It's been a while.
0: It has been a while. You've been off in Japan.
1: I have. Um, I've had a lovely holiday, and I walked through lots of beautiful temples, and I got to think about lots of uh, trials and tribulations and struggles in the world of IT. You decided IT wasn't for you. (laughs) (laughs) I decided, yes, I'm going to be a travel blogger. (laughs) And then coronavirus happened. And then coronavirus happened, yeah. So, at the... Sometime towards the end of last year, I remember you were talking to me about... Uh, you're already a seasoned author when it comes to IT, but you were talking about uh, writing a book. And I suggested that you read a book called The Phoenix Project, which was actually a recommendation from our colleague Dave Hay. And I, I, and I bought it a couple of years ago. I feel like it's quite an old text now, but I suggest that you read it. So you went away and read it. I think we would it would be good to talk about uh, your opinions of it, how you kind of reacted to it what I can still remember of it and uh, I don't want to say lessons to be learned but things that you've gleaned. The book is, just quickly
0: for anyone who hasn't read the book, um, it's written by three people and it's centres around a IT um, operations person, an IT operations manager who's been in the back of i of the IT of the business and unexpectedly he receives himself a promotion. Essentially his task is to be able to get change quickly through his systems into production without so many things falling over.
1: Yeah, the main character suddenly becomes, is it responsible and accountable? Accountable, responsible? For everything. So he suddenly has to take ownership of all these weird and wonderful systems and all the all the trials and tribulations that come with them. Yes. We we should point out that the the USP of of the book is the fact that it's kind of it's written as a novel, as opposed to most I would say it texts, which are written as either a five minute blog post or a whopping great textbook. I'm not sure whether it was. New for its time, but it was quite a novel method of delivery, similar to you know the people that learn by doing or learn by seeing. It's a new way to kind of get opinions on the whole piece.
0: It's essentially uh, teaching through stories. Like uh, you can get um, foreign language um, lesson books for children now. Essentially, it's just the book in English, but occasionally words are changed to say the Spanish word. See as you go through, it just slowly adds changes some of the words into into a phone word, and essentially it's learning as you go you're not you're not trying to pick up everything all at once and I find this was similar mm-hmm. it was very handholding and for us, probably since we both joined our company, we've basically been indoctrinated with this devops um, ideology and the use of pipelines and reusability and building um, auto, systems that can automatically be built and we'd spoken about this with Dave in a previous podcast mm-hmm. which is obviously the, the DevOps side to things and the book is eventually lean, leading you towards DevOps and what I quite liked is that it didn't just go here is a thing and then we use DevOps
1: yeah it, it didn't go chapter one let's implement a DevOps pipeline and everything is fixed at the end it does do that but it's part of a widening but that's, wide but that's chapter yeah. ten
0: it is. It is pretty much the last chapter, and then we implemented DevOps. It was amazing in the end. Um, it, it is, and it genuinely is. But it's it's good because you you you're learning why DevOps is the answer, rather than DevOps is the answer. These are the benefit. It's saying, okay, this is a thought process that has led to DevOps, and it starts talk. It talks in times about manufacturing plants mm. and how. IT is very similar to um, the manufacturing process within within a factory.
1: Yeah, I, we're not saying that there's, there's, it's just padding between the start and then Chapter Ten, where we implement DevOps, the end. Uh, it's good because it actually goes through the the actual business interactions and and the main characters' discussion with various other senior stakeholders and organizational bigwigs within the company, and I think it's. Become quite a recognised fact now that, as an IT professional, actually surprisingly little of your job is implementing IT stuff. A lot of it is pitching to business, to pitching to business stakeholders, uh, and working the soft skills, politics side, and convincing, uh, convincing stakeholders to go along with the solutions that you want to implement. And that's something that's kind of seen in the book. Uh, He doesn't just do chapter one. We implemented the DevOps pipeline. It went perfectly. It's chapter one. We recognize the problem. Chapters maybe two, three, four. We actually learned how all the business stakeholders are involved. And there's all these other implicit implications and processes and, and, and regulations they have to conform with.
0: But it doesn't do that big bang, does it? It goes. So essentially, he has, he's given responsibility to stop bad things happening. And on the first few days, it's bad thing after bad thing. Every, every day, something goes wrong in production. Mm. And that's very, that's very localised, isn't it? That's, I think that is the scenario that most of us can understand because we try to run a test in SIT in and it fails and we get an NFR problem or in production a, a certificate update goes wrong or, or whatever it is but it's very localized issues and then yeah. what it tries to do i think is say well hold on what, why are these things happening and the reason that's not happening is because you're not able to track changes you're not able to understand who's doing what when and what dependencies are on or on um, what people so if i'm making a change in system a that should mean that nobody should be making a change in system b It talks about localized problems and why there is a need to control change at that level and that's the first part and then it sort of expands upwards you can you can always see it um like a rocket going up and you're slowly moving away from earth you're looking at a slightly bigger picture which is what are the impacts that this has on the business away Mm. from your localized area that's what i that was, that was the way I saw the, the start of the book sort of coming out.
1: I find it very hard to, to, to see things at the 10,000-foot view. So it gives you a sense of perspective when you're forced and the main character is forced to kind of pull his head out of his little, his little team, his little bubble, and start to have a more worldly, in an organisational sense, view uh, of how things happen across the company. Yeah, he starts getting conflicting priorities.
0: Do I continue with this big project that's going to... Make money, or do I focus on these other systems that are saving money or keeping us afloat? And it always comes to what are the things you need to protect as part of an IT system? Well, it's financial, reputational, customer data. Mm. There's different things that you have to focus on, and they're all part of your priority management. When, once you start getting different stakeholders with different views of what those priorities are, from an IT perspective, it's very difficult at times. How do you know which, which, which of these is actually the priority? And sometimes organisations, I find, struggle to determine who makes that final decision.
1: Yeah, I can agree with you wholeheartedly. There's probably a whole science, there's probably a whole organisational science of how organisations make decisions. But yeah, like I said, the fact that so much of our role as... Both IT professionals and consultants is around assisting organisations with what their decisions are. It's 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 a serious it's a serious problem. I suppose that feeds into why it's always why it's always a good option to um, increase the speed at which changes can be done and things can be prototyped and tested because that often gives weight and evidence towards a decision being made. If it if it's a big architectural. Uh, decision a big architectural jobby
0: so the book's obviously called the phoenix project because that's the big that's a big project that's going to bring in loads of business loads of like magical stuff they get ready to do this big deploy and they're basically feeding in hundreds of changes every few months and it's reminiscent of a time before continuous integration continuous de- development
1: did, did we have an argument before over whether cd stands for continuous development or continuous delivery
0: yeah, we we did we decided which one it was, but I've forgotten which one it was again. Right, okay. So we'll, we'll have to listen back and and edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to listen to our own podcast. <laughs> I think the message of the book was slightly lost on me because we've had that CICD CD um, and DevOps message for so long now, and for me, it's natural. Yeah, I've I've I didn't really live in the in the world of of large release dates. Um,
1: you you didn't need that to be pitched to you. You weren't the target audience.
0: But but I actually took I find it I found the book good in different ways. There's a part where he has to go he goes right this I'm going I'm going to go find out why we're doing what we're doing, why it's important and who it's important to. Mm. And he goes and, and and as you said earlier, he goes and talks to each to the stakeholders and he says, "Well, what are your business goals? What are your business needs?" And they tell him, and he goes, oh, that's, and it's genuine, genuine revelation. It's like, oh, okay, I don't really understand that. Um, how is what we're doing improving the way that you can achieve those business goals, which essentially leads to revenue or, or, or achieving what the, the board wants to achieve? And I think about it in the context of the products we use, but I don't think I've really thought about, the wider business goals and how everything we do maps to that and whether doing thing A or thing B actually helps achieve, achieve those business goals so we have some localized issues which is do I deploy product A onto this thing or on this other thing i don't think i ordinarily would think what are the business goals and how does that map to what it does
1: yeah yeah i like i like the thing that you said at the start where you felt as though maybe you weren't the target audience because you already live you already live in that in that reality I think that, yeah, its value is that very rarely do us, again, as IT professionals, get the perspective of an IT organisation from the very top. Whenever we get any kind of visibility of that, it's normally through a a very clinical email, sort of, hi team, it's it's your VP here, we had a great month, and you think, well, okay, but I don't really know what our what our business goals are, all I know is that, oh, the big project that we're working on got completed or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, Or I could maybe, I could tell you, uh, the company that I'm working for, I could tell you their vision, but I couldn't maybe tell you their individual business goals for IT or for revenue or for what their strategic, um, plans are for this year and some of them some of them are obvious aren't they for example if you were
0: netflix you'd know that you're just trying to reach a bigger audience so some of those key targets are known but some of them aren't known so if they wanted to We want to improve the buffer speed that customers receive those videos or can watch in real time during their streaming. You might not necessarily know that because you might not know it's a problem. All you know is this file needs to be transferred quicker. But you know the requirement, not necessarily the wider vision and the wider impact of that on the business.
1: I would say that the current current business goal uh, where I'm working is they would like to reduce IT spend. It does make you think, okay, how can I trace back what I'm doing to reducing IT spend? And I'm thinking, I'm not sure I can because we're implementing a new platform. But then I think about their other goal, which is they're trying to uh, tighten up and consolidate security across the platform. Ah, Maybe I'm working towards that.
0: What's interesting, Peter, is that I think it's, doubly difficult for us because we're in, we work for IT companies.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Not all IT professionals obviously work at IT companies, but we happen to work at an IT company. So for us, everything is IT. So if IT is failing, we're failing. If IT is doing well, we're doing well. If we go to a retail, a retailer, or a bank or a utility company, the visions and goals that they want to achieve will be different to what we, would expect, might, or what we might expect them to be. And this is what the books made me do, is rethink about my perception, which is, okay, I've got an agenda which is IT related. That doesn't necessarily transcend to the goals of our customers, which might not have an IT slant at all. If I'm a paper delivery service that happens to use IT to map the best course, my goal isn't be able to map the best course, which is what my goal would be as an IT professional, their goal is get papers to everyone quickly and efficiently. I think the book's really helped me to sort of cement that, that understanding. So the book also had sort of thorns in the side of IT or, or people trying to undermine the the vision. Um, that yeah. stakeholder happened to be... Um, which was called Sarah in the book. I
1: really liked. I really liked the security guy who had all the um, uh, kind of random paranoid requirements. And then spoilers. He has a. He has like an epiphany halfway through. Well, a, a meltdown. Yeah. But they weren't ni- They weren't nice to him in the book. <laughs> <laughs> it
0: was interesting, wasn't it? Because again, if things like audits, so the, the point of the book was that he was he wanted the audits to be met. Mm. Um, and he said no we have to meet these audit goals and the breakthrough was hold up what's the point of these audit goals the audit goals are to make the business safe are you sure you're are you making the business any safer mm. by implementing very strict um, security regimes and the answer was no there might be a biased opinion from the authors of the book who apparently have bad experiences with developers, security, um, <laughs> network people, developers, and uh, testers, and pretty much everyone. Uh, which I imagine is the is the world of of uh, operations.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can I can understand that. Again, it goes back to the fact that everyone has an agenda. Everyone has their own individual goals, um, and and developers. Network people, they're probably, at the end of the day, they're just trying to get, they're trying to make something work because they've got their own projects, deadlines and everything that they need to work. They're not, they're probably not intentionally putting security vulnerabilities or X, Y, Z in. Just today, I uh, tried to email a zip of code that I developed on my uh, one company's machine, to another company's machine and it turns out that the email blocked my zip attachment
0: it's it's funny because because we're just trying to do our jobs um a lot of some of these security measures end up just being things that we work around mm. and it just bec- it becomes a, a it becomes
1: something to beat rather than something to work with yeah you, you don't you don't hold it up on, at a high standard you don't think yes. i'm you don't think I'm really proud of the security effort that the people in my team have made that they that they're locking this down blah 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 you think oh someone's just read a flipping top 10 things you can do to secure Microsoft Exchange and they've just gone plod 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 and now it's a much worse user experience for everyone in the company
0: I think from my experience where security teams are approachable you get less breaking of the standards because you 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 can you feel like you can say okay, I need to get this file to here. It's important because of this. How can we do that as in we as in me and them safely? In some organisations, it would be, you can't do that full stop. Yeah. Like, you know, I can't do my job then. It's a hindrance. And that's basically what the book says. It's It's saying, what value does that have to the business? If you're being blocked from posting that zip, it means that you can't do your work and other people can't do their work and you can't move the project forward and meet the goals. But mm. if you if they if there's a process in place which says let's be secure but let's be let's think about how it fits into the to the business goals and financial reputational customer considerations yeah how do we actually how do we collectively achieve this thing
1: i would like to know and this is is a genuine question i'm not sure if there's an answer to it if there's any books similar to it because i really did enjoy the I really did enjoy the delivery style yeah I would read more books like this I suppose that's a, just a googleable question <laughs> I could just google that after after we record this
0: um I've got uh, a couple of other books like lean enterprise and mm. completing your project but actually um after a full day of reading specifications and design documents you want that you want that conversational sort of book style don't you it's it's less like a chore than it's more like a it's it's learning without realizing it. We are basically tricking ourselves into learning things outside of
1: yeah outside of the standard delivery, which is read a spec, watch an instructional video. You you know what I mean. Mandatory training videos for a while. I I say that I haven't I haven't done it for ages. I used to uh, read a website called the Daily WTF. Dot com, which was more kind of like a it was more kind of like a goof off website like you know you know your daily browsing that you do I'll, I'll normally read hacker news the register and the daily wtf i think the the joke on the site on the site was that it stands for worse than failure and it was basically every now and then they'd have like an article which was like similar to the phoenix project it was from the point of view of an it implementer who was facing some issue and normally, the, the the punchline to the story was he found some something ridiculously awful and tried to fix it. Um, but I did quite like that, and you could just, you could argue it's a it's a learning experience because you think, right, ah, right, I'm not going to do that because, especially sometimes they'll post code snippets, and I'm like, what's actually wrong with this code? Ah, yes. The
0: I actually read a good take the other day, which was saying there is so much work developers have to do before they can even start coding so if a developer has a an idea ah oh, maybe we could improve the service by doing xyz mm-hmm. they can't just do it on their local laptops in or in the dev environment they've got to spin up a new environment they've got to go f- they've got to write these unit tests they've got so much work to do to get to that point where they can start trying to come up with this innovative new solution to some of the problems that they're
1: dealing with at the time yeah yeah but it pays off in the long run really i think that you're you're front loading the work of the project because someone's going to have to come up with tests and how it's going to be deployed and define the way it does get deployed and all that stuff and if, if you at least front load it so that it's being done by the developer you don't end up with these horrendous end of project crunch times where The developer's disappeared and it's not the random person who's been pulled in and they've just got to get it to work and they don't know what they're testing, they don't know what they're deploying, they've not got any idea why someone's made these decisions and why it works like this.
0: So you're saying, no Aiden, they've just got to follow the process. They can't just quickly do stuff because they're going to mess things up in the long run.
1: Yeah, did did I say the wrong answer? No, no. Ah, okay. I suppose if your
0: DevOps is set up correctly, then you already have that scratch pad environment. You already have somewhere where you can just doodle. Yeah. So we've discussed the Phoenix Project, which uh, we recommend you read. Thank you for listening. Mm -hmm. And suppose keep looking at the world from different perspectives. That's my takeaway.
1: Mm Mhm. Oh, good. My takeaway is I think that it is good to be good to always get, yes, different perspectives and learning in different ways because sometimes you'll find something that clicks so much better than blog posts, uh, training by video, um, working through lists of commands, and books are good. Books are good.
0: I'm a physical book. Are you a Kindler?
1: I've got like, a, like an off-brand Kindle, like a 99p shop. Kindle, a windle, a findle, a fake Kindle, uh, that I've that I've never bothered to set up. Um, so, I just haven't tried it yet. Uh, but I do prefer physical books. But maybe maybe the the feel of the maybe the feel of holding something I can hold in my hand and I can I don't know carry around with me. Maybe I'd appreciate that. Maybe you will. Something for me to try. Lovely. That's all for this week. Thank you for listening. Bye bye. Goodbye.